I wonder if you could tell me what these falling animals have in common. So I'm going to give you a couple, and you're going to see them up on the screen too. Pygmy shrews, puffins. Start thinking, hmm, he's going to give me a bunch of different animals. What do these have in common? Let's keep going. Tiger sharks, foxes, gorillas, hyenas, hamsters. Anybody have a hamster at home? That was like a fad. It's like, what happened to the hamster craze? Hamster on a wheel. When I was growing up, pigeons. Hopefully nobody has a pigeon at home. That would be weird. Squirrels. What do all these animals have in common? I want you to think for a moment. What could these nine different types of animals have in common? They are the most greedy and self-centered animals that exist. But there is a king of all the greedy animals. So when we think of animals that are all about themselves and noted by scientists and zoologists and everybody else for their behavior, there is one animal that rises to the top as the greediest animal, and that is the squirrel. And that doesn't surprise you because we even have a phrase for it, squirreling away. Have you ever squirreled things away? What does a squirrel do? A squirrel heads out, looks around, finds an acorn, grabs the acorn. Does the squirrel eat the acorn? We don't know because we see the squirrel grab the acorn and put it in the squirrel's house and go get more. In fact, when I was a child, there was a story that I loved. It was about Bushy the squirrel. Now, what happened with Bushy? Bushy, you know, he was a funny squirrel because he had this beautiful house. It looked like something straight out of, what's that show, Waco, uh, uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines? It looked like he had a Chip and Joanna Gaines house, right? And it was beautiful. It was Magnolia or something like that. I'm, I'm not familiar, but I'm seeing some nods. So Bushy the squirrel had this beautiful squirrel house. And he looked around, and it was a good day for Bushy. And what did Bushy decide to do? He went and got an acorn. And he took it to his beautiful house, and it was decadent, lovely house. And then he got some more acorns. And as you flipped through the pages of the book, what happened? He got more and more and more and more and more. And it filled up his house, and it filled up his dining room. Yes, he had a dining room. And it filled up his kitchen, and it filled up his bathroom. And eventually, what happened to Bushy the squirrel's house? It fell over. Because when we are fully just self-centered like Bushy the squirrel, it doesn't lead to a good outcome. But then we think of the animal who's kind of the polar opposite from the squirrel, the dolphin. Now dolphins, unlike squirrels, a squirrel simply just takes and thinks of itself and squirrels away. A dolphin is known for being wonderfully friendly and giving and receiving and a dolphin has a personality almost like a human. In fact, have you ever gone swimming with dolphins? Maybe no one's ever gone swimming with squirrels. Has anyone ever paid like $900 to go swimming with a squirrel? But you do with dolphins, right? Because dolphins have the right mindset. Dolphins are wonderful and personable. And if you make a new dolphin friend, you know what it'll bring you? A dead eel. as a gift, a special gift. Here you go, my new friend... I love you. I'm Mr. Dolphin. Here's a delicious dead eel for you. Would you like to have a bite? Now, obviously you wouldn't, but the idea is dolphins are wonderful and giving. Now, dolphins give and receive. When we come in this sermon series, we're in a four-week sermon series. This is the final week. 
We're heading into Lent this coming week. You may look and say, Valentine's Day is coming. Yes, it is. Also, Lent is coming. That is the time we get ready to talk about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And it's a time to really slow down and to reflect. And we're going to be looking at a series with the I Am statements of Jesus. But today, we're finishing up talking about what it means to have a Jesus mindset. And as we're looking with a Jesus mindset, we have something that doesn't work in our society Many of us are really uncomfortable when it comes to service. Many of us really start to, and now you can say, well, that's not true. I love serving. You're right. Many of us love serving, but we have a really difficult time when someone wants to serve us, don't we? When someone wants to buy us lunch, we get really uncomfortable. We're like, I don't know. We'll talk about this a little bit later. And so as we're looking to have the same mind as Christ. The Apostle Paul says, hey, have the same mind as Christ. One of the things we can do is see that we can have a balance between serving others and also allowing ourselves to be served, knowing that when we serve others, we do it for Jesus. And when others serve us, hopefully they're doing it for Jesus and we can accept that. We can have the right balance. So our Jesus story today is going to be out of the book of John. If you open up your Bible, we're going to be in the Gospel of John. Over these last four weeks, we've done one story out of Luke, a story out of Matthew, a story out of Mark, and we're ending with a story out of the Gospel of John. We're going to be in the 13th chapter. Now, where are we in the story? We are at the point where Jesus realizes that it's the end, that he's going to be betrayed, he's going to be arrested, he's going to be crucified. And something interesting to know about Jesus is that nothing ever surprises him. Have you ever had a surprise party pulled for you? Has anybody ever had this? Now, when I was 21 years old, I was working at a restaurant around here, and I was living in this area, and this church decided to throw a surprise party for me. Members of this church did, which was really sweet, long time ago. And my girlfriend at the time was living in Ohio, and she's my wife now, Laura. And so I thought I was going to work, and I thought I was getting ready, so I put on my uniform for Chili's, and I got all excited and ready to go, and I got in my car, and when I say all excited, I kind of dreaded it because I was a fry cook, and it was going to smell like grease, and it was going to be just a typical day. And when I got there, they said, oh, you're not on the schedule today. And I said, what? What's going on? And then my father picked me up, and he said, oh, there's an issue with your car. Now, there wasn't, but... This was the ruse, and so I was driven, and we figured it out, and then suddenly we were at a surprise party, and my girlfriend from Ohio was there, and I was very confused. Jesus never got like that. Jesus knew what was going on. So as we read this story, no one could surprise Jesus. Jesus knew as all this was going on that Judas was going to betray him, that Peter was going to deny him, that the disciples would run away, that he'd be arrested, beaten, all these things happened. So I want us to realize as we're going into this story that none of that is a surprise for him. He's fully aware, and that's going to be important. So we're going to read these verses, and the words will be on the screen. Here's what we read. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper. And the devil had already prompted Judas, 
son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you'll never wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who is bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put his robe on again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. So our Jesus mindset from this is that service is a central feature of a Christ-centered life. When we think about living like Jesus, having his mindset, treating our spouse like Jesus would ask us to treat, existing in our various environments, the supermarket, with our coworkers, in our neighborhoods, if we start to see the centrality, the, centra, the centrality of service, we start to have a much better life. And there's a balance required here. We serve, we receive, and we make sure to keep the focus on God through all of it. And so we're going to look at this passage, and what I invite you to see is that we want to learn to serve. And sometimes you can say, hey, I'm really natural at serving. It's really something that comes easy for me. But what we see here is that it didn't come naturally for the disciples, and so it probably doesn't come naturally for us. You can say, hey, I'm really wonderful at serving. I really, I really look for opportunities. But oftentimes we get in the same position as the disciples did where they totally miss it. Look, look what happens. So Jesus gets up. They're having a meal. And he's fully aware of what's going on even though they don't get it. Parallel to our lives, Jesus is fully aware of everything that's going on even though we look and we say, hey, I'm so nervous, I'm so anxious, I'm so confused. Situations and circumstances outside of my control are really worrying me. And Jesus says, hey, hey, I got you. Hey, Manny, we're good, right? Hey, hey, we're, we're all set. Hey, Bob, we're, we're in a great place. And, but the rest of us say, oh, no, I'm so worried. I'm so fearful. I'm so concerned. Well, I'll be open, but I'm not sure where we're going. So what happens is Jesus gets up, and he takes his robe off, and he starts washing their feet. And what does no one else do? None of them jump in. 
nobody immediately, imagine that you're sitting with Jesus and you've got 30 minutes with Jesus and you're getting to sit with him and it's so exciting because it's you and a couple other people and Jesus. And now he gets up and he thinks it's important enough to start washing people's feet and serving. And you sit there like, what is going on? This is really strange. Why is he doing this? This makes me really uncomfortable. We need to learn to serve. We don't naturally, even when we see wonderful examples in Scripture, wonderful examples of other Christians, so many times we don't naturally have this idea that we can serve. Jesus looks for an opportunity. The disciples could have joined in with Jesus, but they were a little too focused on being squirrels, right? They were a little too focused on themselves, on squirreling things away, on just saying, hey, I don't really know what's going on. So often in our lives, we have these times where we're more like Bushy the squirrel than like Jesus. We have these times where we're trying to make sure everything's comfortable for us, get a few more acorns because we don't know what's going to happen, rather than saying, life isn't about grabbing the acorns, life is about serving. I think that sometimes we say, okay, well, I do serve. You know, I took a job where I serve others, and I'm part of a church. Look around. You have wonderful people part of a church. And we say, oh, well, I do serve. I'm here. I hand out um, the pamphlets. I greet people at the door. I'm part of a small group. But service sometimes extends beyond where we're comfortable. Remember, Jesus washes the feet of all the disciples you can name, and the ones you can't, like Bartholomew. Do you know that Bartholomew is a disciple? Many people didn't know that. And then he also washes the feet of Judas. And so sometimes we say, hey, I can serve, but I'll really just serve where I'm most comfortable. That's not, as we're having the right relationship with service, that's not what we're asked to do. We're not asked to learn to serve just where it's easy. We're asked to learn to serve in the places where we need to be led and be open to. So, look in the parking lot sometime. Go into the grocery store, and you're going to see that there's carts everywhere. Now, if we are the kind of people, when we see you open the door, and you get out to go in the grocery store, and there's nine shopping carts right around, if we just walk by the shopping carts, we start to be closed off to service. What I'd invite you is this week, when you go to the grocery store, when you see the shopping cart, take nine seconds, pick it up, push it over and put it away. And you're going to be surprised that God is actually going to now open up an awareness for you that there's all sorts of other opportunities to serve. Not to meddle, not to get into people's business, but to be open. And so my question for you is pretty simple. You know, are we willing to look for opportunities to serve others? Are we willing to say, there's a lot going on in my life. There's a lot going on at home. There's a lot going on at work. And even in all of that, following Jesus, one of the central features is simply being willing to serve. Are you willing to look for those opportunities today? Now, for many of us, this is the easiest one. So there's another part to it. So yes, we want to learn to serve. But if you're anything like me, I'm really good at serving. I'm really good at, if I see someone broken down on the side of the road, I'll slow down, I'll roll my window down, I'll say, hey, do you need anything? Can I call someone for you? I'm aware of it, but I get uncomfortable for the next part. I get uncomfortable receiving. 
We need to learn to receive because service isn't simply about me doing for you. Service, the centrality of service is all about having a right relationship with God, all having the mindset of Christ. And so it's not, hey, I'll do for you and I'll do for you and I'll do for you. But it's understanding that I have an opportunity to receive as well. And this is what gets Peter so weirded out. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? So often, when we're going through life, it can be really easy to do good for other people. But then we put up the boundary and we say, hey, you know, I'm a very private person. I don't need you to serve me. I'm good. I'll serve you. But here's the wall. I don't need to let you into my life. We don't need to go there. That's between me and God, and I, I, I put up the force field. What this text is showing us is that just as we have the opportunity to serve others, we have the opportunity to receive the gifts that people give to us. But Peter is naturally uncomfortable. He needs to learn to be more like a dolphin. Think about the dolphin for a moment. So I saw a couple of people have gone and swam with dolphins. A dolphin is really willing to receive. Because think about it. When you go to a dolphin show, have you ever gone to a dolphin show? Okay, why is a dolphin show so fun? Because they do tricks. And also when they're fed, they love being fed. And they'll do all sorts of big tricks to be fed. They'll go over the hula hoop and go through it just to get their food. Because they love receiving and they understand that they have a relationship, and they have the opportunity to really be excited about it. When we think about how we can serve Jesus, one of the best ways we can do it is by really being grateful and thankful when others serve us. For many years, starting from the age of 13 to when I was 33 years old, I led music in churches. I joke around and say I'm either fired or retired. Now I preach instead of leading the music. But something I had to learn is when I was about 15 years old, I used to be in a relatively small church and play the organ. And I wasn't amazing at that point. I was okay. And so I'd kind of stumble through a books to Huda piece, and I'd maybe kind of stumble through some hymns. And then this really sweet old lady would come to me after the end of the service, and she'd say, wow, that was so amazing. Thank you so much. Now, I was sitting in my head being like, I didn't practice as much as I should kind of had a bad attitude, a little more than I wanted. I wish I could have been better. But what I had to learn is that she was giving me a gift, and I simply needed to say what words? Thank you. I simply needed to receive it. In our lives, sometimes the biggest challenge for us around service, because we have this weird mindset and weird relationship with service, sometimes we need to learn just to say thank you. In fact, sometimes, especially when we're with Christians, Christians... If they're serving us, they're not doing it for us. Who are they doing it for? If someone is serving us because of God, if we say, oh, I'm all set, oh, that's too uncomfortable, well, now we're taking away someone's gift to God. Now we're saying, hey, you know, that's fine for you, but for me, I'm just going to stay separate. So my, my grandpa used to tell a story to try to get to the heart of this, and I'd like to share it with you. My grandfather was a pastor in rural North Dakota in the mid-20th century, and he didn't have a big congregation like we have. We'd have, he'd have a small number of people spread out in a 
rural area. It was very cold in North Dakota. So imagine he's in February in North Dakota, and it's freezing, and there's a few people here. But what he understood is that we want to not only serve, but also to realize that others can serve us and that we can have this relationship knowing that God has asked us to follow in Jesus' example. So he used to tell this story. He said there was this really, really generous guy. We're going to call him Greg. And Greg used to do everything for everyone. He would come and he'd shovel your driveway. He, uh, during the summer, he'd help out with your crops. He would do everything you needed him to do. He was a wonderful Christian man who just was always there to serve and to be available. And so his friend, we'll call him Fred, really appreciated it. And Fred said to Greg, hey, I'd like to take you out to lunch. But Greg said, oh, that makes me really uncomfortable. No, I'll, I'll take you out to lunch. And Fred said, hey, I, Greg, like, I love you. You do so much. You help so many people. Let's just go ahead and do this. So they go to the restaurant, and they go to a little diner. And because it's North Dakota, they serve open-faced turkey sandwiches. Okay? And so they go, and they start to have, and it comes time to pay the bill. And now Greg says... So we're going to split the meal, right? And Fred says, no, no, I love you. You're, you're, you're wonderful. You're so sweet. I'm just going to get the lunch. It wasn't that expensive. It wasn't like today where you pay $70 for lunch. It was like, it was like nine bucks. Not a big deal. And Greg says, well, can I at least leave the tip? No, no, you're missing it. Like, it, it's fine. I love you. We're good. And so they pay and they go out to the car. And then, of course, Greg says, Oh, wait, I forgot something in the restaurant. And, of course, Fred says, oh, I think he's up to something. And Greg comes out. He says, look, I got you a mint. It's hard to receive. It's hard to just be available and say, hey, you know what? I can let go of my control. Yes, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. But when we look in the Gospels, you see over and over what happens. Jesus receives gift from people, and it makes everybody else uncomfortable. The woman anoints him at Bethany with oil, and everybody's panicking and saying, hey, Jesus, we should have used this money for the poor. And Jesus is like, it's about relationships. Like, there's always going to be opportunities to do other stuff. Sometimes we just have to have a relationship. What I invite you to say is, are we willing to receive from others? We're going to come into a whole year we're going to have birthdays. You're going to have positive anniversaries. You're going to have negative anniversaries. People are going to want to do stuff for you out of love. Now, it doesn't mean we should figure out how to get people to do more and more. But when someone comes to you with something nice, says, hey, I want to buy you lunch. Hey, I want to get together and, and make you something. I want to, you know, I've bought you this gift. I want to share this experience with you. Are we willing to see that when we receive from others, we're actually honoring God. Are you willing to see that? Are you willing to see that there are times where we want to allow other people to serve us, that we want to not say, hey, Jesus, don't wash my feet. But when a Christian comes into our life and says, hey, I just want to help. I, you know, I care about you. I, I, I did this because I love you. I care. Are we willing to say, okay, I can put my controlling side aside. I can put some of my pride aside and I can just simply say thank you. Because this isn't some moralism, self-help thing. It's all for a reason. Here's the reason. And this is our third and final idea. Because we want to learn to only seek God's approval. 
Because ultimately, it's not about I receive a gift so that my friend likes me. It's not that I serve them so that my friend likes me. It's that we are shown in this passage. Let's summarize. So Jesus is getting ready to be betrayed, to be beaten, to be tortured, to be mocked, to be crucified. All these things are going to happen. And he wants to show a final message. And his final message that he does here is he says, hey, follow in my example. Now that you know these things, now that you know that I expect you to wash people's feet, to allow your feet to be washed, to be in this kind of community together, now God will bless you for doing them. Look around. We're in a church. A church means not that we come and we sit down and sing a song and have a sermon and do these things, but it means a community. We are the called out people of God. We have an opportunity to be in community together, not so that other people say, wow, those are good church people, not so that the other people in our community like us, but because we're doing it for God's approval. This was what Jesus set up. He set up not a bunch of people individually doing good things not individually just having all these different interactions, but he set up the church to be his instrument of good on the earth. So, we do things because we seek God's approval. God is our heavenly father, our parent. Now, if you are anything like me and you've ever had children, who actively has someone under the age of 18 in your home? Who ever has some, had had someone under the age of 18 in your home? So many of us, Okay. When we think of children, especially little children, one of the challenges is that if you tell, we'll do a toddler because toddlers are good, age four. If you tell a toddler don't, what happens? They do. Now, do they do it because they're trying to, to be mean? No. Do they do it because they don't like you? No. They're just stubborn and willful. They have to learn to seek the parent's approval. They want mom and dad to say, hey, you're doing great. But when you naturally tell a toddler, don't, they do. This past week, Henry started, Henry's my two-year-old, and for some reason, he started grabbing all of his trucks and throwing them at me. And so I see him do it, and he's not a good criminal. He's not, he's not like, he's not able to do this in a really sneaky way. You can tell there's about a one-minute lead-up to him throwing a truck at my face. So he'll kind of look at me, then he'll sheepishly start walking over, then he'll get a big smile on his face, then he'll pick up the truck. Now he won't run over, now he'll come over here, and he'll put his truck up above my head, and I'll say, don't. And what does he do? He throws the truck in my head. He doesn't want to be in the timeout. He doesn't want me to say, Henry, we don't do this. He wants my approval, but he doesn't know how. We often find ourselves in this situation with God. And so one of the stories of the Old Testament, if you look, the Old Testament is all about do and don't. And so the people got themselves into trouble because they wanted to follow God, but they also wanted to throw the truck at dad's face in the Old Testament, right? So Jesus comes and Jesus says, here's what you're missing. The law isn't about don't. The law is about two things. Love God and love your neighbor. And how do we do that? We do that through service. When we think of the toddler, the way you get the toddler not to throw the truck is by saying, hey, Henry, here's how you make dad happy. 
let's clean up the trucks and let's help mom in the kitchen and let's make pancakes together and let's do all these things and give the kid a mission and help the kids serve. And what happens? He's now not throwing trucks at people's faces because instead Henry is serving and helping and feeling good because he does want his parents' approval. So too with us, we want God's approval, but when we get stuck on the do's and don'ts, what happens? We get church guilt and we feel frustrated and we feel like, hey, I could be doing more. What I want to invite you is follow what Jesus says here. Forget about the do's and don'ts and start serving and start being open to serving, remembering that whose approval do we seek? We seek our Heavenly Father's approval. That's the question. Whose approval do you seek? Now, there was a really great person named Harold Ockengay and another person named Billy Graham. And you've probably heard of one of these two. You probably all have heard of Harold Ockengay, right? But never Billy Graham. No, you've heard of Billy Graham. Billy Graham, of course, becomes Billy Graham. These are two young pastors. And one of them founds two major seminaries, training schools for pastors that are a huge deal. And the other one starts basically a national revival. And the two of them, at the very beginning of their ministry, made an agreement. They said, we are here not to take big salaries, not to get fame, not to be all about ourselves, but we're here to serve God. We only seek His approval. So we're going to do two things. We're going to take no credit. If God blesses our ministry, awesome. That's about God. And we're going to take no blame. If people don't like us because we're trying to faithfully serve things, we're trying to faithfully serve God and set things up, then we're going to say, ultimately, that's kind of between you and God. That's okay. Take no credit. Take no blame. And just simply serve God, seeking His approval. That's when I invite us to realize, here's our Jesus mindset. When we see that service is a central feature of a Christ-centered life, we start to see that things make more sense in our marriage. When the marriage is about, I serve Jesus, and sometimes that means that I serve Jesus by doing kind things for my spouse, and my spouse serves Jesus, and sometimes that means by doing kind things for me, and I accept it, and I allow it to happen. When we come into our workplace, you may have a boss you're frustrated with. You may have a coworker you're frustrated with. If we start to say, you know what? I can't fix people, places, things, bosses, but what I can do is I can serve, and I can say thank you at the times where I am served, those are ways I can honor Christ in my workplace. And so as we look at this week, I want to give you two things. And I want to give you two prayers. And we're going to invite our elders forward. And we're going to have an opportunity to really be praying. We've taken a break for a couple weeks on... We have a tradition in this church. And we took a break for the last couple weeks. But what we invite is we bring some elders forward. And if you want to pray with someone about service, about either this, Lord, help me Show love by serving someone. I invite you to come down during our last song and we'll just pray about this. Or maybe you're in a place where you say, you know what, I'm doing a really good job serving. I can always do a little more, but I really have a hard time. I feel convicted because I have a hard time saying thank you. Maybe I simply need to be open up to receiving and to having a little more gratitude and to being appreciative for the things that people do in my life.
Lord, help me accept love by receiving what's given to me. The band is going to play and the elders are going to be forward. And I invite you, come down, pray. And, and of course, the altar is always open if you ever want prayers for friends, for healing, or just prayers in a really confusing and difficult year. Let's stand together and let's pray together. Lord, would you remind us of the centrality of service, that we could serve like Jesus and when others serve us like Jesus, Lord, that we could be open to it, we could be grateful, we could say thank you. And Lord, that we would remember that ultimately when we serve, you're the one who blesses us. We don't need to be blessed by everything else, Lord. We do it for your approval, knowing that you are perfect, you are just, you are righteous, and your blessing is more than enough for us. And Lord, if we're in a place today where we're struggling with service, if we need to serve more or receive more, Lord, I invite us, Lord, would you just remind us of the importance of service, that we can simply be more like Jesus. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.